Thanks for joining us for this edition of Forward Church Online. Today's podcast was recently recorded at one of our live worship experiences. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're in this collection of talks that I have titled, Emotions Can Make Things Messy. How many know that to be true in your own life? Emotions has a way when you get stuck in your feelings and you try to navigate or you try to do something and you're doing it out of an emotional place, it can jack things up. Amen? Yeah. The truth is it's very dangerous for you and I to navigate through life based on our feelings and our emotions. We make choices. We make choices every day based on our feelings. Like, what do you feel like eating? Where do you want to go to eat? You know what I'm talking about? We, we don't go to this place. You know, we were on our way the other day to Gainesville, and, and the, the girls were like, hey, what do you want? And I was like, I'm kind of feeling a burger. So you don't go to a burger joint. I mean, you don't go to a chicken joint looking for a burger, right? So, so we make choices every day based on how we feel. We, we choose a vacation spot. Are we going to go to the mountains or are we going to go to the beach? Based on how we're feeling. A lot of people choose a spouse based on their feelings. Well, I, 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 y'all finish this. I feel like they're the, they're the one, right? That's a bad, that's real bad. I feel like, yeah, that feeling that you're feeling, and I'm going to leave that feeling right there. I'll let y'all talk about that. But that feeling that you're feeling is fleeting. And all the married people said amen. The point that I've been trying to drive home is this. Navigating through life based on how we feel in the moment is reckless. Anybody ever had a wreck because you made a decision based on how you felt in the moment? Well, doggone it, this is how I feel and this is how I'm going to respond. And they're going to know how I feel. Anybody ever been that way? Absolutely. Every single one of us have been that way. It's so reckless because when we make a decision based on how we feel, we usually don't consider what, what could happen now or what could happen later or how it could even affect or, or even uh, completely destroy God's plan for our life because we were more concerned with getting it off our chest because this is how I feel right now in the moment. And the question that I asked last week was this. When it comes to our emotions, is your emotions controlling you? Or are you controlling your emotions? It's important that we get to a place where we're healthy enough in our emotional status or state to go, I feel this way, Miss Jackie, but I don't have to respond. You, you may have touched a nerve, but I don't have to respond. Can I just talk to all the married people this morning? Amy Weber knows how to push my button, and I know how to push hers. And matter of fact, a lot of times I like pushing it because I like to see the response I get. That's reckless. <laughs> it's dangerous. It's dangerous. But I think we need to get to a place, married couples, that regardless of how you're making me feel, and somebody said this today in prayer, I can't control what happens to me, but I have absolute control of how I respond to it. And it depends on who has my emotions. Do I have my emotions or have I surrendered my emotions to God? Because emotions left unchecked can make life messy. The reason we're taking just a couple weeks to talk about this, and, and I'm, I'm kind of resetting it back up for those who haven't been here, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast, is because I believe that we cannot step into our full potential of what God wants us to be until we learn to control our emotions, until we learn to master 
our emotions. If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, let's go to the book of 1 Samuel. That's the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 13. And we're going to look at this guy in the Old Testament by the name of Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. He, he, was, he was led, and we're going to see this in this particular aspect of Scripture, that he was led by his feelings. And we're going to look at what being led by his feelings cost him. I think if I was to do a poll in this room this morning, at least probably every single person could say, I lost something because I didn't control my emotions. I was led by my emotions. I say this all the time, but we can, we can stray away and, and entertain sinful desires and sinful things, and God will forgive us. His blood does cover that, but sometimes the consequence of that you still get to hold. That's not real popular in church, I know, because we want him to clean the whole slate. But sometimes I'm still, I, I still today at 45 am, 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 am carrying hurt, heartache, and pain based off decisions that I made in an emotional state. And I think that's why teenagers don't, you know, as parents, we like to, we like to help our kids to prevent them from going through the same hurt that we went through. But how many know sometimes some of them have to just learn the hard way? I was one of those kids. I think my dad must have said the same thing at some point. You just got to learn the hard way. So let's get back to the story. He, this is King Saul. He is the first king of Israel. And we're going to see that from the very beginning, he was plagued by fear. And so right here in this, the area of the story that we're going to look at, look at is where Saul was literally waiting to go out to fight a battle. And in Saul's life was this guy by the name of Samuel. And Samuel was like, Saul's pastor and and Samuel told him wait here until I get back and when I do we'll prepare the offerings the burnt offerings and then everybody say then then we'll go to war so many times the danger of 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 trying to execute the plan that God has is put inside of you if we try to execute it on our own emotions we can sometimes step outside of God's time schedule and he'll let us have it but it won't be nothing but us and he ain't nowhere to be found Come on, somebody. I, 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 no, I, I. <laughs> it's so funny how I, my mind can hit a filter before I say what I was going to say. Uh, so I'll say it. I'm all for the dating apps. <laughs> if I was single, everybody's like, really, Pastor B? No, I'm all for it, but really, you could just, you could just do away with all that and just go, do they love Jesus? Because if you don't love Jesus, I don't care what you got. I don't care what your pocketbook looks like and your wallet looks like. If you don't know Jesus... I don't have time for you. Yeah, but Pastor B, I'm into that missionary dating. I'll help save them. <laughs> okay. The most important thing that young people get... Is this thing on? The most important thing that young people need to be concerned with is, do you know Jesus? Because there's going to be days where your, your journey in your walk with Christ is going to get tough and you're going to need to lean on them, not, not in your weak moment. They pull you on down. You need to find somebody who's racing you to the coffee table to have devotions. This is not a dating seminar, so I will keep moving. So Saul is waiting for Samuel to come back and all of a sudden, I'm just setting the story up because we're going to dive right in so you have a little groundwork. He's waiting on Samuel to come back and, and the people start scattering and so, so Saul freaks out. So he goes, he goes I, need to, I need to step in. 
I know this is what God said, and I'm supposed to do this. So matter of fact, I'm going to do what God said. I'm going to prepare the offering. But that's not what God said. God said, wait till the man of God comes, and then, we're gonna, then we'll launch out. But he, doesn't, but, but he doesn't trust Samuel, so he takes matter into his own hands. Anybody else in the house ever took matters into your own hands? Let's see what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we're going to pick it up in verse 7. It says, Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his, his men were trembling with fear. Everybody say, trembling with fear. It's a great dis- description of our nation right now. Because without Jesus, it don't matter. It does not matter. He is my God and he, he either protects me or he allows me to get whatever, a cough, COVID, whatever. But he's going to see me through regardless of what happens to this temple. This, this life belongs to him. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, praise the Lord. But neither way, no matter what happens, my faith will not be shaken by what happens to me in this life because I'm just passing through. I gotta, I gotta move out of fear and step into faith. I'm either gonna live all of my days for Him and, and and trust that He's got them all laid out, and I'm gonna listen to His voice. If the pastor says wait till we get back, don't step out. Bless God, wait. And I'm not referring to me I, I, as the pastor. I'm saying if if the Word of God for your life says this, then you wait till you see every sign that says now is the time. Did I start reading? I did. Okay, verse 8, sorry. (laughs) Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. As Samuel had instructed him earlier, excuse me, earlier, but Samuel didn't want to, didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering. How many knows when you get into fear, you start demanding things? Anybody ever been freaked out, panic mode? That's what happens when you get into fear. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Verse 10, just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to meet him to welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Remember last week when they asked Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, anytime you, anytime you begin, you begin uh, navigating life with your emotions, you're going to wind up in a place where God says, why are you here? And what have you done? Saul replied, I saw men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. There's your problem. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, have you done it the way that God said to do it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. I want to speak to you today for just a few moments from this subject, part three, emotions driven by fear. Emotions driven by fear. Yes, fear is an emotion, but fear also is almost like an Uber driver. He jumps, once you, once you start getting into your emotions, fear can jump on the scene and then start taking you down all kinds of other roads. This is, this is another one of those messages that I was like, oh my gosh, how can I preach this when I haven't even, I haven't mastered this. 
I haven't, I, I, it, it, this, this, this message wrecked me. And I'll share a little bit of that as we go along. But although fear all by itself is an emotion, it's an emotion that can drive and dictate our responses. And I'm going to give you those responses. And you're going to be able to go, yep, I do that. And I had no idea that it was actually related to fear. Because we say fear, we think, oh my gosh, scaredy, scaredy cat, whatever. No, no, no. There are things that emotion, additional, additional emotions that will be on display when the emotion of fear is present. Listen, fear is paralyzing. You ever, you ever, like a deer. How many hunters in the house? Hunters? No hunters. Any hunters online? If you're a hunter, put a deer in the chat. I don't know. But, but, but. A deer, if it's eating, and all of a sudden it hears like a twig break, what's it do? Freeze. Paralyze. It's like they know when hunting season starts. Huh? They know. Same thing for us. When, when we get scared of something or God says, we freeze. Why? Because, because fear is paralyzing. And it's a paralyzing agent that the enemy uses as a tool to prevent you and I from stepping into God's, the destiny that God has for you and I. He uses fear. It's important to point out, point out that fear is also the tool that the American news media has used to terrorize its citizens from the very beginning of this pandemic. It's called fear. It's controlling. It's manipulating. It's paralyzing. And it will kill you if you bow down to fear. It's a powerful emotion. Fear, you're going to write this down. Fear-based living is not the life that God has for us. A life saturated in fear is not the life that he has for us. 2 Timothy chapter 1-7, I don't think it's going to be on the screen, but it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The Passion, Passion Translation says, For God will never give you the spirit of fear. Spear is a fear. Uh, <laughs> Fear is a spirit. God doesn't give you that. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit comes power, love, and, self, and self-control or sound mind. And it's my prayer today that by the end of this message that we would be a community of believers that would, would move out of our feelings, that would move out of our emotions, out of our fears, and into faith. Faith is all about trusting God and not yourself. And in the middle of a pandemic, the greatest thing that we feel the need to do is to step in because everything else is out of control. We feel like we need to step in and be in control. Let me tell you something, hot news flash. Hot news flash. There is absolutely nothing that you and I are in control of. Nothing. Nothing. Except my emotions with God's help. Sure, you can go pick something out to eat, but that's not what I'm talking about. There is absolutely nothing that I'm in control of. I, as parents, we worry about our kids when they turn 16 and they get out on the driving scene. We, we cannot control. It, does not matter how, how, it doesn't matter how many times they've sat on the front row of church. At some point, they're going to go out. Some learn the hard way. Some going to experience and do different things. But guess what? I can't control that. But what I can control is how I respond to that. And let me tell you, I, sometimes I need God's help to help Shelter them and cover my emotions. Am I talking to anybody today? I know we don't like to uncover that our emotions are all crazy, but I guarantee you, if you live on planet Earth, especially since about March 1st, your emotions are all over the place. Faith is about trusting God and not ourselves. We're not going to be ruled by fear. Can you just say that about yourself? I'm not going to be ruled by fear. We have faith in God. We have to trust God, and we have confidence in God. 
Saul's problem in this story is that he was plagued by fear. So out of this story, as I told you early on, that I want to give you four indicators that fear is present in your life. Number one is this. Fear causes you to force things. And I said this probably a couple years ago in another message. God doesn't force anything. God's a filler, not a forcer. But fear causes you to force things. It's, the, it's one of the first things that fear does. Fear says you can't trust God. You can't trust the Bible. You can't trust Jesus. You, the only person you can trust to get it done is yourself. How many have ever said, if you want it done right, do it yourself? No, if you really want it done right, do it God's way. If you want to see God's best results in your life, do that thing God's way. But Pastor B, what if God doesn't want me to do that? Well, Pastor B, I, I feel like I need to marry. The, I, feel like, I feel like they're the one. But I don't know if, if, God, if that's God. So what do you do? You do what God wants you to do. Huh? Get off your feelings. So, so, so now you've got fear on the scene and you're having to force things. It could be anything. It could be a relationship. It could be a business adventure. It could be a ministry opportunity. Here's the problem. You're so talented. You're so gifted. You're so anointed. You're so good looking. You could actually force anything and make it happen. The only problem is, once you get there, the only person there is you. And God is nowhere to be found. You can force just about anything. So Samuel was like, Saul, wait here. Don't do anything till I get back. Saul was like, okay, cool. Ever notice that you're, you're okay, you're good, you're cool with things until things ain't cool? You're okay as long as everything's calm. But like Saul, when everybody starts freaking out and everybody starts scattering, who, who starts freaking out? Saul. So Samuel doesn't come back at the appointed time and Saul freaks out. The people were scattering. What does he do? He asked. No, he didn't ask. He demanded for the offering. Let, let me tell you something. I learned a long time ago in leading worship, you, I can't demand that you, that's why a lot of times I'll say the phrase, if you feel comfortable, I can't demand, now church, lift your hands up. I can't demand you. I can invite you to, and you know why I do that? Because there is something about a sign of surrender. There's something about you, you extending, saying, I understand, God, it's less of me and more of you. It's the way, it's the extension of, it's the greatest extension of, God, whatever you have for me, I want that. What is, what's a baby say when, when, you, got, when, you, got, when you, you got a gift or you bring, mine, mine. We've got a lot of baby Christians in the church who really don't know how to reach up and say, God, I want that. You know why? Because we're too busy wanting what we want and have no place for what God wants. Therefore, we're operating in our emotions, and I promise you, you will actually see the end result of what you asked for, and it won't look anything like what you thought it would be because you did it your way. I hope I'm helping somebody because it's helping me today. Let me read you, read you this in the uh, message translation, just the, the verse 11 and 12 of, of 1 Samuel 13. Put that up for me. Um, yeah, Richard, there we go. Samuel said... What on earth are you doing? Saul answered, when I saw I was losing my army from under me and that you hadn't come when you said you would and that the Philistines were poised at Michmash, I said, the Philistines are about to come down on me in Gil Gil Gilgal and I haven't yet come before God asking for his help so I took things into my own hands. How many have ever done that before? 
You took the circumstance or the situation into your own hands. God, you're not making it happen, so I've got to make it happen. That's what culture is saying today. Oh, I can't trust God. His timing is off. Let me tell you something about God. His timing is never early. It's never late, but it's always right on time for what you need. The one who's got a jacked up time schedule is us. Your life is either surrendered to him completely or it's you got a half. I, I got half a relationship with God. Man, he... I told him a long time ago, you can have every part of me. You can have it all. You can have it all. Well, that's good for you because God, God's called you in ministry. He's called you. He's called you. But he can't get all of you because there's certain parts of us that we want to keep for us. The reason we won't give that up is because we're fearful. Fear showed up. I'm afraid that I, it, God won't let me have what I want. Fearful. So I force things. Look, when you have to force something, you'll spend the rest of your life trying to hold it up. Try, when I force a thing, if I force a relationship, I will spend the rest, and I, I've been there up until that relationship was no longer. I, I, because I force something, I spend a lot of my time, a majority of my time, oh, and, 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 <laughs> We do that a lot in life. I promise, if you force anything, you will spend the rest of your life, your energy, your time, your resources, trying to uphold that thing that God never asked you to hold. I'm just telling truth today. You can love me or not, but all I'm saying is, that if you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at God, because he's the one that's put, half this stuff's not even in my notes, it's just what he's put into my spirit. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be into the stuff that God's into, not the stuff that I need to be into. God stuff, not me stuff. I'd rather be into faith stuff, not fear stuff. I'd rather be into what God's making happen, not what I'm having to force to happen. So fear will cause you to force things. Number two, fear will make you panic. Oh my gosh! Force, fear will, will make you panic. It's exactly what Saul did. He panicked. What happens when you panic? You start forcing things. You're looking, for, you're looking for ways. You're looking to leverage opportunities. You're trying to force things to happen, and now you're panicking, and, and you go back to one. I'm, I'm going to force it because I'm panicking. I, I got to make this happen. God isn't, isn't doing it. Matter of fact, I know it ain't got nothing to do with God, but this is what I want, so I'm going to make this happen. I, I want to be very sensitive at, at, at this juncture of the talk because I want to be sensitive to anybody who ever battles with, with um, anxiety or, or, or depression. I battle anxiety. I, I, th this week, I didn't know if B, I, I didn't know if I needed to be the one to share this message this week. Because in the middle of a pandemic, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about the people that I'm not seeing. And I'm not talking about those that by doctor's request doesn't need to be out. And I, I'm not talking about any of those. I'm saying what, I've, what I'm nervous, what I fear the most is the people that that aren't logging in, it doesn't even, they don't even miss being in the presence of God. People that I've watched grow spiritually, people that I've watched step out from one area of their life and they're starting to make headway and they're moving in the direction that God wanted for their life and then all of a sudden, COVID happened. And I'm, and I'm wondering, God, are they gonna come back? 
Not because you have something we need, but because he has something you must have to survive in this world. Well, I can get it at home. No, the Bible says don't forsake yourself. We're better together than you will ever be by yourself. I have no strength. I sent text messages out this week. I am, I am without an area of strength when certain people are missing. My, my, my fear isn't, God, the, the numbers are going down. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. My fear is for your soul. God help anybody who thinks that B. Weber is more concerned about dollar signs and chairs having butts in them. That is not what I'm about. I'm about making sure that your soul doesn't land up in, in hell. That's what I gave my life for. To make sure that you make it. It's called complete surrender. Listen, we associate fear with a response to something that perhaps is frightful. But fear has a way of jumping in the driver's seat and taking us down roads. We have no business going. Listen, the Bible has a prescription for anxiety. I know there's lots of other prescriptions but this is what the bible says about anxiety the bible gives us the antidote for anyone dealing with fear in any capacity it can be found in lamentations chapter 3 verse 25 and 26 this is the english standard uh version and it says this the lord is good to those who wait for him that's the hardest thing when you're in the middle of fear being fear-based and you're in the middle of what do i do Waiting is not what you want to do. If you're already on the edge of, oh my gosh, and panic is getting ready, waiting is not what you want to do. That's why we can't seem to grasp this thing is because waiting seems to be so hard. The reason it's hard is because we're not surrendered. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for salvation. So let's break that down. When you feel the need to rush in, wait. Write this down. This is your antidote for fear. If you already feel like I, 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 I've got the first two points in my, in my repertoire. I force things and I panic. The first thing you need to do when you feel the need to rush in is wait. I've always said if you don't feel a peace about it, don't do it. If you don't have a peace about buying that house, don't do it. When my car started acting up, y'all heard that story, I'm not going to go back. I was trying to trade it in. I went to the dealership and told him it's jacked up, but I don't want to put no money in it. And because I did that and I wasn't patient and I forced and I drove away from a location, I dropped about $500 in a car that really only needed $50 to fix a wire that was touching metal and was causing the computer chip to freak. I was at two dealerships saying, take this thing off my hands. I don't care what you put me in. Get... They saw the desperation. Thank God that he did. There are some things he does protect us from. And there are other things he goes, I'm going to let you have it your way. I'm so thankful that he didn't because I would have. You know what upside down means? I'm not trying to get real personal, but you know what upside down means? That was me. I didn't need to be upside down in a car. I just needed to wait patiently, find $50, and get it fixed. I even asked Cole, I said, so what you're telling me is what I paid for at the dealership, I didn't even need to pay for it. He said, well, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. That's what happens when we don't wait. You will pay the cost. You will pay the cost. 
The other part is, part of that same verse is, while you're waiting, seek him. While you're waiting, if you can just get the the nudge, the nudge, if you can get the nudge to wait, seek him. That'll make waiting easier because if you're seeking him, you're not worried about all this other stuff. Come on, somebody. Mic check. And then wait quietly. Okay, B, I'm good. I'm going to wait, but I got to tell everybody on my news feed. I've almost gotten to the place where I don't even need it. But, but I have to have it for, 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 for ministry purposes. But social media, I'm just telling you. So, so, so wait, seek him, and wait quietly. You know what Saul, what Saul should have said? Samuel's not back, but it's all good. God, I'm, God's got me. It's going to be all right. But what did, what did Samuel do? I mean, uh, Saul do? Too many S's. He freaked out. He panicked. He started forcing things. And he lost everything. God is saying to anyone in this facility who is dealing with anxiety, you don't have to panic. He's saying you can exchange your panic for my peace. You can exchange and surrender your anxiety for my anointing. You can exchange your worst and receive my best. See, I thought I needed, I, need, you, I, I, thought I needed a new car. How many knows when you get a new car, you get new car price? I'm good rolling around in the 2010 that I don't know if it's going to be good today or tomorrow. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. God, if that's what I, I'm good. I'm, just, I'm not trying to be personal, but I think a lot of times you gotta, you got to feel me because I, I, sometimes I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't point out or spotlight every area that this should be applying to your life, so i got to reveal a little mind and you go, oh, yeah, that would probably be something that I struggle with too. Waiting quietly. Listen, there is nothing going on in your life that deserves your panic. There is nothing going on in your family. There is nothing going on in your health. Remember what I said? It doesn't matter what he allows he is in control. Either he, either he caused it or he, it passed through his hands. Nevertheless, regardless, he's still, he's still in control. There is nothing going on in your career, absolutely nothing that deserves you to freak out and panic. Another translation says, be anxious for nothing and the peace of God will guard your heart. Basically what he's saying is, if you'll, if you'll seek after me, God stands on guard. So when, when fear and anxiety and doubt come, God says, no, I'm, you can't have his heart and you can't have his head. You can't have his mind. You're, it's off limits. But a lot of times the reason we're exposed to all of that is because we're not waiting and seeking and waiting quietly. We're running that mouth. We're, we're seeking everything else, looking for all, all, all kinds of ways. What, what car can I get? Um, who, who should I marry and what house and what job and that, 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 that. Wait. And when you do that, his word says, he'll protect you. He'll guard you. I could get, I, I could get, I could get, I could get the, the biggest dude. I'm trying to rephrase this. I could get the biggest dude to be my bodyguard and he could take out anybody on planet earth. But guess what? There's still a flaw in him because he's not God. I don't want, it don't matter. You can pay all the money for all the, all the, all the men to protect and, and all that stuff. But the only person who deserves and has the right to really have access to me and the one that can protect me better than anybody else is God. Why are we refusing to let him have it all? Number three. Let me just keep on going. Number three. Fear will make you controlling. And I thought I had a control issue. The root of it is I got issues with fear because I feel like nobody can do it like I can. He's working on me. 
You can watch anyone who's shook by fear. I gotta, ha- I gotta have control. I gotta have control of this, envi- uh, this environment. I need to control what happens. The opposite of controlling is releasing. Say that word. Say release. The opposite of controlling is release. What's that sign say? We release the sound of worship. See, release means I have nothing here. It gives him room to place something there. It's called release. The opposite of controlling is releasing. Listen, when we release our fear, it enables God to empower us. Jesus was a perfect example. He was not down here on earth saying, bow down, worship me, I'm God. Bow down, worship me. No, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus was teaching, half the crowd went away. What did Jesus do? He looked at his 12 and said, y'all want to go too? See, Jesus, he's not a forcer. But if you'll hang out with him long enough, he will fill you. After all, that's what we're having an issue with. I feel empty, so I'm trying to fill myself with all of this stuff. He can feel you and knows exactly the level that you can, the capacity of what you have, and he's got everything you need. Mm -mm. (laughs) God doesn't want to control you. If you're taking notes, write that down. God does not, he's not trying to control you. Fear-based people, all they want to do is control. Listen, we don't have control over anything. You don't control, you don't control people. You don't even control your own life. No, I'm serious. God is in control. God is in control of my future. God controls what happens to me. God is the boss. We have a little funny running joke in our house about who's the boss. <laughs> I'll never forget. I think it was Ansley. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. We drove a minivan. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I... I was sporting that Dodge Caravan Sport. Baby blue, my favorite color. I'll never forget, one of the girls, we were going somewhere, and it was just us. Amy wasn't with us. And and one of them said, hey, can we do blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, nope, can't do that today. Why not? Well, Mom said we can. Well, who's the boss? (laughs) She she is. (laughs) She's the boss. I got two bosses, Jesus and Amy Weber. God is not trying to control you. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. So what am I supposed to do, B? Surrender. That's what you're supposed to do. All that anxiety, all that worry, all that fear. Faith says, God, I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't wait. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm ready. I don't know where you're leading me, but I've got faith that it's going to be amazing. That's what faith looks like. Number four, fear will make you insecure. Fear will make you insecure. Fear always causes insecurity. Am I good? Do they like me? Are they for me? Am I enough? This was Saul. When they went to announce, this, when they went to announce Saul as king, dun da 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 appearing, announcing your new first king. Crickets. No, this isn't, this isn't uh, chapter 10. Let me try it again. Maybe he didn't hear. Announcing your first king. dun da 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 Saul was nowhere to be found. You know where he was? Hiding out in baggage. You want to know why? Insecurity. 
The Bible tells us that when he comes out from the baggage, when they go to get him and he's standing amongst the people, that he's head and shoulders. He's taller from the, from the shoulders up. He's taller than them. Isn't that crazy that the people that you would think are the most secure actually battle insecurity the, the, the worst? He looked the part. Good looking. He's head and shoulders, height above everybody else. He's the first king. And he's, in the, he's hiding out in some baggage talking about, am I enough? Do they really want me? I'm telling you, I know exactly what they're talking about. And I think some of you do as well. The fear of man is a trap. Do they love me? Will they accept me? Am I good enough? Listen, I'm not going to be trapped by the opinions of others. Maybe you need to write this down. I'm not going to be trapped by the opinions of others. I want to be trapped by the opinion of God. I can't get caught up with what you think about me. I need to be completely concerned and caught up with what God thinks about me. That's faith, not fear. I serve one God, it's not man. I serve one voice, it's not you. I serve one master, and it's not the opinions of others, it's the opinions of God. Fear will paralyze and cripple us, and the only one that can deliver us from all of this is God. In closing, how do I get rid of fear and into faith? 1 John 4.18. How do I get rid of fear and into faith? There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Perfect love. Doesn't matter who you're married to. Doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter for how long you've been married. There is no perfect marriage. There is no perfect relationship. The only perfect love is God's love. There is no fear in, in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. I've blown it. I'm not good enough. So now I wonder if I'm ever going to be enough. That's fear. But perfect love casts out fear. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. It all comes down to a relationship with God. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He's madly in love with you. He's not trying to intimidate you. He's not trying to bully you. He's chasing after you. He's trying to get to you so he can wrap his arms around you and say, I died on the cross for you. I laid down my life for you. He's saying it will be my love that changes you. That's why I'm, I'm never going to be about trying to convict you or trying to condemn you. None of that is my job. Matter of fact, condemnation has nothing to do with God. My, my responsibility is to let you see a glimpse of God's perfect love and how he loves you. He's saying, my love will heal you. My love will forgive you. My love will heal all the broken areas of your life, all the times you messed up. God's saying, my love is perfect and it covers a multitude of sin. God is saying, I'll bring you out of fear. I'll bring, I'll bring you out of insecurity. He said, I will, I, I'm, I'm, try, I'm not trying to force things. He said, I want to bring you into a lifestyle of faith. The only thing that can perfect you and I is God. And God wants to set you free this morning. God wants to set you free this morning. No more fear. No more panic. No more forcing things. No more controlling. No more inconsistency insecurity in Jesus name 
If you're here this morning and you say, there's, maybe I didn't even hit one of those areas, but you say, yeah, I know that there's an area of my life that I, I haven't let go of and it has, and fear has consumed me in that area and today I want to be set free from that. Well, why do I got to stand up? Because God says, will you acknowledge me? I, this is a free gift. No strings attached. And you say, you know what? I want to be set free today. I don't want to, I don't want to force stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to control things out of, out of fear. I don't want to panic. I don't want to be like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I, I just want to live my life free from all that stuff. If you're in this place, stand to your feet. From this day forward, Pastor B, I want to be set free from fear. I don't want to operate in fear. I don't, I don't want to operate in manipulation. I don't, I, I don't, we can try to manipulate God. Hey God, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this. God don't need you to do this. He's after you completely, completely surrendered. No deal. I think we'd like to play that, that, that show. Let's make a deal. Hey, God, it's what I got, what you got. God wants to give you everything, but he wants you to lay down it all. That's the problem with the church. I've been... I've been in church all of my life that's the problem with the church we don't that's the problem with the body we don't want to lay down some things God will just wink at it it'll be alright but today but today I believe that I believe set free just that you're not going to call me down and pray and anoint me with oil and no I'm not your stance says everything your stance says everything and, and listen, those of you that are standing, and God is going to hold you accountable for your stance. That doesn't mean the enemy's not going to bring it back around. That doesn't mean the enemy's not going to bring circumstances into your remembrance or recall or, or things to happen. Listen, listen, that does not mean the devil's not going to be after you. This just means he's going to be after you more. What's your stance? So, Father, our stance is we are standing on the rock that will never move. Father, we want the love that Ansley sang about that defends us, that will guard our hearts, the peace of God that guards our hearts and guards our mind. Your love defends us. So, Father, I thank you that our stance today is we're standing on the rock. We cast down fear. We cast down uh, forcing. We cast down panicking. We cast down the, the, the need to control. We, we cast down all insecurity so that we can walk in the fullness of everything that you want for us in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.